Welcome back, everybody. It's Bill Courtney with an Army of Normal Folks. Let's continue with part three of our conversation with Officer Tommy Norman right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We now talk about the crosses Tommy has bared. Um, Tommy, you uh, you had uh, a couple of pieces of tragedy in your life that I think is important for our listeners to know about because it hadn't been all peaches and cream for you. Tell me about your daughter, Tommy. Yeah, my daughter Alyssa Norman uh, passed away uh, November seventeenth of uh, of last year of twenty twenty one. Dude, that's not long ago. No, a year ago, a year ago, and I'm still struggling, um, still grieving. Um, Alyssa Norman, um, born July twenty fourth of nineteen ninety five, and was a daddy's girl her entire life. I mean, when you talk about a daddy's girl, she wanted to be with her dad. She wanted her dad to comb her hair. She wanted to go places with her dad. And um, she played volleyball. She played basketball. She played softball. She made friends easily. Grew up um, North Little Rock. Yeah, North like Little you. Rock. Yes, and and so um, <clears throat> she knew her dad's heart. She would always go to events with me, block parties. Would she go? with you take her with you? Yeah, and her brother parties? Mitchell. Yes, they would come. They would come with me sometimes. They'd be underneath tables, you know, just playing around. And and um, so sh- they, your kids were engaged in this stuff with you. They knew. They knew what their dad loved. And I'm thinking, gosh, if, if, if they're watching what I'm doing as a police officer and as a humanitarian, 
this can't be a bad thing. You know, I mean, they're they're learning what it's like to be friends with no, other you're, people. You're teaching them by example. Right. It's beautiful. And, and so um, we, uh, as Alyssa got older, uh, her late teens and, and, and her early 20s, there were times, uh, Bill, that I didn't speak to her. There are times that our relationship were a little bit was a little bit rocky, whether that be me being prideful and spending too much time in the community and not choosing to stay at home. One of the things I've always been good at is connecting with people in the community. One of the things I've always been good at is public service. So I'm thinking, go out and do something you're good at. It comes easy to me. And there were times when I should have stayed home with Alyssa. There are times I should have stayed home with my son, Mitchell, but I chose to go out in the community because the community needed me more. At least I felt the community needed me more. So Alyssa, at times in her early adulthood, she would get in trouble. She was, ex she was experimenting with drugs. Uh, You're a cop, dude. Exactly. Did you know this was going on? I did eventually. I did eventually when other people would tell me, um, it's you know, weird, even when you're a cop, parents are the last to know. Exactly, the last to know. And, even for a cop. And I remember one time, um, you know, Alyssa had snuck out, and she went to another city. Uh, your coworker there, Sherwood, Arkansas, and the Sherwood police had called me and said, this is what teenagers do. we got your daughter here at the park. She's here. I passed curfew. Come pick her up. You know, I did the same thing. Um, and, and so um, last year in June, she wrote me a letter. And she had it mailed to my house, and a beautiful letter. A beautiful How old letter. Was she at this time? She was uh, twenty-five. Got it. She was. This was June. She was getting ready to turn twenty-six. Got it. And at the time she wrote me the letter, we hadn't talked for a few months. In the letter, it says, "Dad, I'm at the Harbor Home in Conway, Arkansas. It's a uh, home for women only that are coming out of addiction. We have church every Sunday at four o'clock. I would love if you would come to, to church." and see me at the harbor home in that letter it says i miss you uh, i never thought that relationships between dads and their little girls should ever be broken i miss cuddling with you i miss crawling in bed with you i want to see you so the oh next my god you must have melted uh it, it, and i don't i don't even bring the letter with me now to read it because it's i, I couldn't even get through it i, I can only imagine this is I my baby girl that are my baby girls and if i got that letter I'm, the letter alone would, oh my gosh, and I got and tears in my eyes thinking she, about my my own reaction to that. And it's, 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 it's cute, it's handwritten. I want to say it was even in pencil, which just made it even more special. So the next Sunday I show up and uh, I surprise her and uh, I, I was... I was trying to make it to where I, when I came in the back door of the church, she wouldn't see me and I'm tippy toeing and other people are seeing me walk in. They're not letting her know. And she turns around and she catches me and she runs to me. And I remember I got on a white button down shirt and she, she buries her head and she's like, dad, I love you. And I missed you. And I said, I love you. And I miss you too, Alyssa. And I'm said, I'm sorry. I haven't been here. And when she moves her head back from my shirt, the shirt over my heart is soaking wet with her tears. And you may say, well, why, have, why weren't you there? I just didn't really know how to be a parent to my daughter who had been in trouble. You, you know, I wanted to be there, but then she's older, so we don't talk as much. So every Sunday after that, I would come to the Harbor Home. 
And after church, the house leader would let me take Alyssa out to eat dinner. So for all the time we missed from from what was her addiction, Tommy? Uh, fentanyl and heroin. Oh God! So heroin. Yes. What's fentanyl is even more powerful than heroin. Well, no, I I yeah. know it's just we're not talking about cocaine and weed. We're right. talking about injecting some heavy stuff into her. It, I mean, she was, but she that, was gripped. But that wasn't Alyssa. That was not Alyssa. So we had so much fun. From I got the letter in June. I went to there, and then her birthday's in July, and then we we have all this fun. We usually spend about three or four hours together on a Sunday afternoon, and then, and every time that we would finish dinner, and I would drive her back to the harbor home, we would sit outside on a bench in front of the harbor home, and and this kind of tugs in my heart because Alyssa didn't want me to leave, and I knew why she did not want me to leave was because she would keep it coming up with different stories to talk about and different subjects and different topics. I remember one time it was dark and the, and the, and the house mom comes out and, and she kind of peeks her head out the door. I think, Alyssa, I think that <laughs> that's a hint that you need to, it's time for you to go inside, you know, because you, they, they pray before they went to bed. But then she, she was in phase one of the Harbor Home. So phase one, you're in this church that they transform into a home. Then phase two is a big trailer that's on the same property. If you get to phase two, you get your phone back, you get a job. I got to see her on more than Sundays. You get a little bit of freedom back. Yes, exactly. But you're still living on You're still living on, on the campus, property. I yes, guess. on campus, correct. So we got her van running. She got a job at a restaurant in Conway, Arkansas. Got her a gym membership to Planet Fitness. Went and get got her shape. some. Yeah, get, I mean, she's working. We got her these no-slip shoes. She worked in the kitchen. And, 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 and well, actually, she was a waiter, a waitress. But, um, and then... Um, November uh, 16th, um, I talked to her that night, and uh, that was on a Tuesday. So once again, more privileges. That next day is a Wednesday. I said, Alyssa, text me or call me when you get off work. I want to come see you tomorrow. I want to hang out with you. So she calls me when she got off, and oh, she texts me. She said, Dad, I'm off work. I love you. I said, I love you too, and then she called me. Her voice sounded different. She did not sound like Alyssa. Did you suspect then she'd gotten back into something? I felt like she had taken something. So, Alyssa, um, I didn't mention it to her, but it, Bill, it bothered me all night. It bothered me all night. And when I hung up from her, I'm thinking, just, I wish I could be Plus with you're her. you're a cop, and you've been doing it for 20-something years. Right. You have a sense of when things are right and aren't wrong that people that aren't cops maybe don't have. I mean, the the cop in you probably tickled you a little. And and how many times have have I talked to my daughter and I know how she sounds on a normal right. day? Yeah. So the next morning I get up, go to work. Uh, it's around seven fifteen, seven thirty. Me and two other officers are sitting at a local park, chit chatting, and my phone rings. And it says the harbor home. Well, I'm thinking, as I decide, do I want to answer or not? Alyssa has her cell phone back. Why would she be calling me, number one, this early? And number two... It's an odd time. Right. Why Why isn't she calling me from her cell phone? And I'm thinking before I finally swipe to answer, I'm thinking she probably got in trouble the night before. I'm probably going to get a call that she got into some trouble. Pulled over something like that so you're answering this phone call with a sense of dread that 
at this point, it's got to be one of these, crap, here we go again. We're going to have to start back over again. That's the dread you're thinking. And one of the things I thought about And maybe is, even a little pissed off and frustrated at her for doing it. Exactly. I'm thinking, okay, she's going to have to go back to phase one and start this all over again. And and sometimes that's had to happen there at the harbor. So, home. I mean, all that calculus going on, you're mad. You're <clears throat> kind of mad. You're kind of frustrated. I mean, I'm listening to you. I'm not, I don't want to put words, but the, if it was me, I'd be- Sad, mad, pissed off, frustrated, and like. But all uh, of those, but I was scared to answer that phone. I swiped it, and it's the house mom. What news was I about to receive? So, hello, Officer Norman. Uh, this is Laura from the Harbor Home, and uh, Alyssa overdosed last night. So I'm in my uniform, I'm in my police car, you know, I'm this police officer. Yeah. Okay. Where is she at? What hospital is she at? I, I'm, I'll leave work right now and I'll go see her. Because overdose doesn't always mean that you're dead. Right. Sometimes overdose, you go to the hospital and you've been narcan and you, your life has been saved. And not Alyssa. We, things have been going great. Our relationship, we're reconnecting. She's doing right with she's her life. She's doing right. She's in phase two. She's got a gym membership. She's happy. Got a job. Yeah, got a vehicle cell phone she's made great friends out there where is she i will leave right now and go see her i'm shaking i'm nervous once again i'm in that uniform so you've got this image you know you're not supposed to break in a uniform Alyssa is not in the hospital Alyssa died we found her dead in the bathroom so i said okay i'm on my way so i didn't cry and I'll get more to that in a minute. So I dropped my phone and my head hit the steering wheel, but I started screaming. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Officer Humphreys and You Officer got a couple House, cops with you, yeah, thankfully. They, yes. Thankfully. You're exactly right. Because if I would be by myself, I don't know what would have happened. But we're, we're, we're a close-knit family, and uh, at least the guys that I work with. And so Officer Humphreys gets out. He pulls me out of the car. What's going on? What's going on? I said, Alyssa, they just found Alyssa dead. What happened was, Bill, is that she was supposed to be at prayer that morning. She didn't show up at prayer. Mm. She's not in her room. The bathroom door is closed. They had to force the bathroom door open and she's laying face down on the bathroom floor. She'd been deceased for a few hours. So, the, the Her heroin or fentanyl? Yes, it was, it was fentanyl. It was fentanyl. She was face down and even uh, had a bruise on her face uh, from hitting the floor. So, so what, when she'd been out working and stuff and got a little bit of money, the grip still had her, and she just... She gave. She had a weak moment, and we all have weak moments, yeah. but that weak moment took my daughter's the, life. The problem is, a weak moment for me is when I lose my temper with my kids or, or my wife, a weak moment for an addict can kill them. And you want to know something. Alyssa wasn't planning on dying that night. Um, she was planning on going back and getting in bed and waking up the next morning for prayer. Some solace that I've found in this is that she just stopped breathing. Fentanyl, you're just, you're just going to stop. Your heart's going to stop beating. So it was a peaceful death. We'll be right back. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think she knew she was buying fentanyl? Oh, yes. I believe so. But everybody knows that stuff's killing folks now. Um, I think she was just going to try some. She just gave in. I will back up and say <laughs> that one of the reasons that this came about is she met a young lady at her job that was an addict. Yeah. They became friends. They had this conversation. That's a problem. That was a problem. So my coworkers put me in their police car. They drive me home. I call Rosalind. I call my mom. Actually, no, I called my sister, Michelle. I said, Michelle, Liz is dead. Call the family. Rosalind comes home. She drives me to Conway. R- Rosalind. My wife. Your wife. Yes. She's a school teacher. She came home, and she's been such a godsend throughout all of this. But So Conway, 30 minutes, 25 minutes from North Little Rock. It's a college town. So we pull into the Harbor home. I see the coroner's van. I see 
police cars. I see Alyssa's mom and stepdad. And we pull in and everything went into slow motion. The the rocks are the hitting, you know, the tires of the vehicle I'm in and everything's in slow motion. So you're hearing it. You're feeling it. Yeah. The right, your but senses this are is on. a movie scene. This is not, I'm not getting ready to pull up and see my daughter being taken out in a body bag. So as a police officer, 25 years, you've seen you, dead. Bodies. You've had, you don't cry. So I had this luxury, so to speak, to flip it on. So I flipped it on police mode. And, I, and so I pull up and get out and everybody's standing on the parking lot from the Harbor home, their mouths over their, their face, their, their hands over their mouth like this. Right. People are crying. You could hear a pin drop. People are in shock. They loved Alyssa. So I get out and after about 10 minutes, I hear feet shuffling and they're opening up the door to the phase two trailer. And there came my daughter in a white body bag. So I'm going in police mode, right? Like I need to get information. I need to get this person's date of birth. That's the only way I can protect my emotions because I'm not believing that this is my daughter. My baby girl is being carried out in a white body bag. I asked the coroner and I knew that I knew the answer to this question, but I asked him anyway, can you go back inside with my daughter? I want to see her one more time. He said, no, Mr. Norman, I can't. They put her in the back of the corners van, and as far as that van traveled away from the harbor home until I could see it no more, I stared at that van because that's my daughter in the back of that van. Once again, I'm still in shock, and I'm not crying. 99% of people out there listening to this, if you see your baby girl or your baby boy or your husband or your wife carried out in a body bag, you're going to lose it. 13 months later, I still haven't had the cry that I want to have. I don't know why I, I want to have that cry. And people will say, Officer Norman, just cry. You can't just cry. And I don't know if it's I'm still protecting my brain. I feel like with with one good cry, the cries that you tears are just flowing. And after that, you take a good nap. Those cries. I, I can't I can't have it. And I don't want to be strong. Do you think I want, it's because you're a cop? I think it's because I'm a cop because I'm I've always been in control. I've been in control of people's lives for 25 years as a police officer. You pretty much call the shots. If you get That's caught a to a heavy personal burden to carry. It it is and do you feel like you haven't given your daughter her just due because you haven't mourned her properly? That, that's crossed my that's crossed my mind, Bill. I I pray to God, give me I want to be weak for 20 minutes. Let me be weak. Let me cry. And there's been times that it's almost came out, but I feel like I owe Alyssa tears. Now, I know that she's watching this, and she wants her dad to be strong. She also knows what's in your heart. She, she does, and, and I feel like it's, why my daughter died at 26 years old of a devil of a drug, and I can't cry. And I just, you know, it's, it, it, I mean, you see things in life as a police officer that I wouldn't want my mom to see. I wouldn't want you to see. I would, I've seen some bad things that have made me. You think it's desensitized you to death? It, it has. Because guess how many times I've responded to overdoses in 25 years a lot? Guess how many times I've cried? Zero. Zero. You walk out with a pen and but a it's notepad. Not, it's obviously not that you don't care and love and have concern because you do. That's been your entire career. 
but somehow you've become desensitized to the finality of 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 death. That's but it pisses me off, Bill, that I can't cry. It 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 makes me angry. Could and, you cry before you were a cop? Oh, I'm a cry cry baby. Don't take me to <laughs> don't take me don't don't take me to a movie. Don't take me to a movie that's going to make me cry. Oh, I remember one time. I'm and I'm I'm a I don't know. I was before I became an officer, but I was on a date and I started. She's like, "Are you crying?" I was like, "Yes, I'm crying." But but I'm telling you, you see people on the interstate in horrific accidents, decapitated, and and you know people are driving by like, "Oh my gosh, me once again." Pen, notepad, getting information, getting information. It's just, you know, it's just routine as being a police officer. I don't think you've processed your daughter in a personal way. I don't think I have. It's only been a year, right? And so it's still. I think you're still a cop there. And Let let me ask you this. Have um, Well, hell, I'm just going to ask it. Have you felt sorry for yourself yet? And what I mean by that is this. Here's the great Tommy Norman who has changed lives in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and has given so much of his time and his effort and his love to people who desperately need it, and you did it out of the goodness of your own heart. Why your daughter? I feel like that. Why not someone else? Why does does that guy's daughter get taken from him? Why not some asshole's daughter get taken from him? I mean, have you had that? I've I've had that thought because Alyssa was she was breaking out of addiction. She was doing so well. Why well, build you up with all that anticipation and hope and then just rip your guts out when all you've done for twenty five years is help people? Have you have you allowed yourself to feel sorry for yourself in that regard? Because as you and I both know, we all deal with all kinds of heartache and evil in our lives and it's it it's you know it's it's nothing personal against you obviously but I just wonder if you'd allowed yourself to fall into that rabbit hole. Well, I, to me, I feel like it would be a little unfair if I feel sorry for myself when Alyssa is the one that struggled with addiction. And there were times that I should have been there for Alyssa. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I should have been there more. Now, God is an amazing man because guess what God did. God brought Alyssa and her dad back together before she passed away. Imagine if I got a call at work and Alyssa and I hadn't talked for months. The guilt. Oh, Officer Norman. We, the guilt you would have had. But I just talked to her the night before. And guess what our last text messages were, Bill? I love you and I love you too. She probably spoke to and interacted with you. You were probably the last person. Yes. Yes. I was one of the last people, if not the last. But God, I mean, it's, it's just the fact that she wrote me that letter, and she thought twice about sending that letter. She asked the, the head of the Harbor Home. She read it. The lady says, yes, send that to your dad right now. So we had all this time together, and God knew that Alyssa needed her daddy, and I needed Alyssa. Now, I don't know if you're going to talk about my health scare that happened four months after. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, okay, all right. So I want to. That's, that's a pretty crazy uh, it's, story. But- it's just, it's <clears throat> just I, again, um, your story has so many different levels, and the things you've done are so inspiring, but it's just life sucks. Life is tough, and, and you know, I, I don't want to sensationalize your daughter's death. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to emphasize that um, 
you know, we continue to do the things we do in spite of terrible circumstances, not because all our circumstances are perfect. And I think you dealing with the death of your daughter is a, is a perfect example um, of dealing with struggles. And I want to say this, that if any person listening to this can, can, can learn something from Melissa's death is if you have a daughter or a son or a friend or a mom or a dad that you're not talking to, swallow your pride, text them, call them, and have a conversation. Because you never know. You never it know. literally may be, that's cliche as crap that it may be the last day, but it, you're living proof that it could be. And I don't know that I could be here with you right now sharing my story if Alyssa passed and we hadn't reconnected. Dad would have ate me away. The guilt would have killed yeah. you. But God knew what he was doing. And that's beautiful. This, there's some silver linings throughout Alyssa's death. I've used her story to save other addicts' lives. I've had addicts reach out to me because of Alyssa Norman's death. They want to get help. And, and people all across the world now know about Alyssa, not for the reasons I want them to know about her. But she was this vibrant, beautiful young lady. She just passed her real estate exam. So, and she's closer to graduating from the Harbor home and, and starting her life over again. Um, she was a mom and she, Alyssa was amazing. And you know, it's, it's, uh, not going to question God, although I did, but I miss her. Um, it's tough. The holidays, you, you know, we're just finishing up with the holidays. It was, the holidays were tough. I think last year I was in shock. So she passed away a week before Thanksgiving this year felt like maybe the first years, uh, the first year of holidays because the numbness is starting to wear off. Right. And this shield over my heart that has come somewhat from being a police officer is starting to kind of chip away. And maybe that cry is coming. We'll be right back. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As you deal with that grief, even though you haven't been able to cry, as you said, um, it took a pretty big toll on you physically. You you had a even after that you had even another challenge. You had a heart attack. I did. Um, March nineteenth was on a Saturday night, which is we're talking four or five months. After Almost four death. months to the day. Almost four months of the day. So still in shock, heartbroken, grieving, depressed, anxiety, all the things that were never in my vocabulary. Are you still on your beat? Uh, yes. Still on your beat, still putting <clears throat> a brave smile on, talking to kids, talking to families, posting pictures of kids. You're still going through your life. Yeah, but guess what? But Bill? underneath all of it, you're miserable. Yes, I'm, I'm still, I still suffer from depression. And I think that someone that has a platform that I've been blessed with, it's important to share that I am depressed. Um, I miss my daughter. I'm never going to see her again, um, at least on not on this earth. And and um, so March 19th, I uh, go to bed on a Saturday night. March Madness, right? I'm watching March Madness. Yeah, basketball fan. Yeah. You got to be. Yeah, just love it. So pain in my chest. I tell my wife. Are you sure you're pain in your chest because Arkansas is not in it? <laughs> uh, no, I think they were in it. <laughs> oh, they, were they really? They went to the Elite Eight again. Uh, uh, okay. so, so at that my time, bad. they were still in uh, it. All right. Um, and, and then, uh, so I go to sleep, I wake up the next morning, I'm in briefing and I feel the pain in my chest again. It's starting to kind of go down my left arm, but it would stop like oh, right below my shoulder. That's scary. I miss it to my sergeant. And then Come I, on, dude, you're a cop. You've been around this 25 years. You knew exactly what it was. So, oh, it gets better. So I go eat lunch with two of my coworkers. You um, still hadn't done anything? No. And you're, is the pain still there? So- when I left lunch, I had to pull over on the side of my uh, a patrol area. Um, I'm having shortness of breath, and the uh, pain was getting worse. What do I do? I go get a Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because if well, you, hold it. I thought Coke Zero was your beverage. Well, but if you want to burp, oh. drink a Sprite. I'm thinking it's indigestion. Are you kidding me? I was having a massive heart attack. But but hold on. So I finished my shift, and then later on that evening. March Madness is getting even juicier. Come out. You still hadn't paid attention to it? Okay, because this is when I finally paid attention. I'm putting on my night clothes, 
Uh, Roslyn's there. We're going to watch basketball. Who? Pain. Who's my, my wife, Roslyn. Yeah, I got it. The pain, this is when she took me to the ER. The pain was on the left side of my face, traveled down my left arm and to my left fingertips. She took me to the ER, and when I got in the truck, because once again, I've been in control of my life almost the entire time, but I feel like something serious is happening. I hit the side of the truck, and I say a curse word because I'm scared. The previous time I was this scared was when I had to answer the phone about Alyssa's death. I'm scared I get to the ER. The ER is packed. They do an EKG, my blood pressure. I tell them my symptoms. They bypass I'm everybody. I'm walking straight in. Straight in. Put a gown on me. Uh, drew my blood. Blood comes back. My, my troponin levels, troponin levels are elevated. That's a sign of a heart attack. They admit me to CCU. And the doctor comes in and does a cath. He puts two stents on my heart. And when I finally wake up, these are some of the scariest words, Bill, I've ever heard in my life. His, uh, his name's Dr. Yadav. Love the guy. Um, Mr. Norman, you suffered a massive heart attack. If I would have waited much longer, I wouldn't Dad. be here. All right, let me ask you something. I don't know much about heart attacks. I probably should, being fat and redheaded in a high-stress position in my life and everything else. Um, so my understanding is diet, weight, but external pressures such as stress and heartache and depression can also have a significant effect on your body. In fact, there's a, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score that's written by a psychologist who has done a, a, an enormous amount of work connecting um, trauma to body ailments and how trauma and unresolved trauma especially literally makes people physically ill. To what extent do you think the death of your daughter contributed five months later and your depression and your sadness and your inability to properly mourn contributed to your heart actually giving out on you? Other than genetics on my dad's side of the family, um, there was a history of heart disease. Um, but everything you mentioned was like the icing on the cake. My heart was under so much trauma from heartache, from the depression and from the anxiety. And me losing some hope in life um, was never suicidal, but I was very, very depressed. So I'm laying in a hospital bed, Bill, and there's all these machines and I'm hooked up to, to these machines and I hear beeping. But I hear in my ear, my daughter Alyssa, and she says, Dad, not today. Meaning, not today, you're not gonna die today. Medical personnel saved my life and God saved my life, but Alyssa Norman, is the one that really saved my life. She knew that it wasn't time for her dad to reunite with her. I've got more work to do on this earth. And Alyssa knew that. Alyssa saved my life. And so you rehabilitate. When's, when, do you, when do you get to go back to work? So I was off, ironically, seven, I guess is considered a lucky number. I was off 77 days. So I go back to work, and this was amazing. So this is March, April, May. June, July. -ish. Yes. Yeah, it was in the, it was uh, right around my, my work anniversary, which is June 15th. And I go back to work and the love I received from the not community. only my coworkers, but my communities, which mean the most to me, you know, welcome back, Officer Norman, and honking and waving and hugging me. It's like, I'm back 
where I need to be. I'm back where Alyssa Norman wants me to be. I'm back with my my family. I'm back in living rooms. I'm back on front porches. I'm back on front lawns. I'm back going to birthday parties. Now, I will say 13 months later, I'm still hurt. Um, like I said, those words and taking medication for anxiety and depression? No, 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 no. But I do because you you can be a police officer and you can think you can save the world, but God's going to sit you on your butt. Well, see, that's kind of, you know, look, before we met, I read a lot, looked at a bunch of articles, you know, producers put together good information so that I have a better idea of who I'm talking to and, you know, looked at your social media and everything else. But this is what dawned on me in the, in the tapestry I'm trying to stitch together is is that 25 years ago, you went into a community that was scared to death of cops and that you taught us many cops were scared to death of the communities they never beat. And you simply got out of your car and were kind. And you built a communal family and a relationship between the police and the community. And then after all that great work, you go through a miserable year where you lose your daughter and you have a heart attack and you damn near die. And then oddly, the very community that you work to save is probably the very thing that gives you hope and that is saving you. And that's kind of the payoff because you get so much more out of what you put into it. And your, your story is just present proof of that very thing. It's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, that that the community that you felt like you needed to be in early in your life is the community that you know you need to be in now, and they're as supportive of you as you were of of them. I mean, I don't know what community policing is supposed to look like, but that's beautiful. Having a heart. And just kind of being an advocate for humanity is much bigger than community policing because in three years and about six months, I can technically retire. But guess what? I'm not going to be done giving. That uniform will be hung up and, you know, I'll have this retirement ceremony. And probably the next day, if not that same day, I'm going to be right back out there because once again, it's it's like with you coaching football. I'm sure you told them, you know, it wasn't that that uniform with the name on the back, but it's it's more about your heart and uh Giving at 15 years old, I'm 50 now, so I've been giving for 35 years. And whether it's a handshake, whether it's a hug, whether it's telling someone I love you, um, that's giving, right? Like I said, you don't have to be Bill Courtney or Tommy Norman to give. So people out there listening, go out and do something in your community. Hold the door open for somebody. Somebody's at Walmart and they can't reach that item off the top shelf. Get that item off the top shelf. That's going to make you feel good. I mean, and what you might find out, as in my case and yours, is that, um, Oddly, life has a way of reminding you that you get so much more out of it than you put into it. Yes. And in your case, in my case, I, I think that's completely evident and true. Uh, just, I, I just can't thank you enough for this opportunity just from hearing your story. And I know you're a humble person, but I will say this. I, today I've met a, a real life hero. Oh, man, um, come on. I know you don't like it. I, I listened to your story, but man, just when I, whenever Alex walked me in and I told. Uh, Alex is our producer. Yeah, Alex, the producer. And I told uh, Elizabeth and Kai, I was like, that's, 
that's Bill talking. That's his voice. <laughs> so I've got a video of me meeting you that I'm going to post. So so a million people are going to see your red hair. I love that. Now I got a question. I know we got to. Is that is that a University of Man uh, Manassas U hat? No. Oh, it's not. Oh, okay. I thought it my said UN. Oldest, okay. My oldest daughter. You would normally see me in an Ole Miss hat. Oh, okay. I graduated from Ole Miss, but my my oldest daughter spent the last year doing canyoneering in Montana. Okay. And I, when Lisa and I went to visit her, they, they have uh, the University of Montana there. And this oh, is wow. the University of Montana Grizzlies oh, okay. football. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's what it is. And I wear it around here because nobody knows what it is. <laughs> right, right. 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 So that's it. Okay. Um, this is an army of normal folks. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have two and a half, follow two and a half million followers or not. You're just a normal dude. And we established that the way you grew up. One of the things we're trying to do is connect people. Um, any of the stories we tell, we've we've always, and up to me, we give out our personal contact information because if anybody hears what we're talking about and is incented to, to do something in their communities, we want to make sure that, that the, the, the guest on this show, as well as me and anybody else, they can use as a resource. So... Tommy, would you mind sharing your contact information? Maybe there's a police officer out there that has heard this that wants to reach out. Maybe there's a, a middle-aged guy like you and me struggling with a, a, a depression. Maybe there's a 25-year-old young woman out there struggling with addiction. Maybe there's community leaders out there that, that want to hear how Tommy Norman polices. God only knows in your story. There's all kinds of different ways that, that you can have a positive effect. And we want people to be able to reach out to you if they want to. Would you mind sharing your contact information? Absolutely. So my email address is OF, it's O as an ocean, F as in Frank, Thomas Norman at yahoo.com. Social media, Facebook is Officer Tommy M. Norman. Instagram is T Norman 23, 23 for who, Bill? Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jordan, brother. <laughs> and then the last is Twitter. Twitter is at Officer Norman. So follow me on any one of those, and I would love to hear from you. You need to let the North Little Rock police, you need to talk them into letting 23 that be your be, unit number. That would be nice. That like would be one nice. Adam 12. Uh, right, right. Tommy Norman 23. 23. <laughs> That's it. All right, buddy. Thanks for sharing Thank that. You. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, should they should they be afraid to? or? Oh, no. No, no, no. I'll maybe talk your ear off, but no, please reach out. Love it. Tommy, I want to tell you something. It has been a distinct honor to spend time with you. Your story is phenomenal. Um, you know, I'm late to the game. You got two and a half million followers, so there's plenty of people that know all about your story, but I, I hope more hear the story, and most importantly, I hope more are inspired by what you do, and I am absolutely of the belief that, you know, so much of what ails us can be fixed by a normal guy from North Little Rock who grew up with eight siblings who decided he wanted to be a policeman not to write tickets and arrest people, but to actually love people and meet them and, and actually protect and serve. And you've changed lives. And your life has been changed. And your story is just so damn inspiring and it, it's really been an honor to spend these last few hours with you Tommy. Uh, coming from you to say that my story is inspiring um, it means a lot and thank you for all you do thank you for your hospitality and uh, coach I mean I love you. Love you too brother. All right. 
you know, I've met the guy once, and I honestly do love Tommy Norman. It's, it's a bona fide bromance. We both thank all of you who made it through all three parts. I hope you found it as worthwhile as I did. I, um, I learned a ton. Thank you. To join an army of normal folks, go to normalfolks.us and sign up to become a member of the movement. We would love to hear what you do. And if there's stories you've heard that you think I need to know, write me anytime at bill at normalfolks.us. As you've heard, everyone we're featuring, myself included, are sharing our direct contact information. We're hoping to build a real community that's unlike anything America has ever seen. If you enjoyed this episode, rate it, review it, share it with friends and on social, retweet it or Twitter it or Facebook it or whatever Alex calls it. All the things that you can do will help us grow an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'll see you next week. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.